Hello and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. Here with me today to talk about what anxiety is and what are some grounding techniques that you can use to manage it are three high school students from our National Student Advisory Council. Now, as a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It's not intended, nor is it implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. So let's get ourselves started today. I'd like to have each of you introduce yourselves, where you're from, and what is your go-to grounding technique? Uh, hello, my name is Mohammed Shadid. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my grounding technique is probably just um, watching a show or a funny, a funny show or a funny movie. Hi, I'm B. Franco Carino. Um, I'm from Ripon, California, and my go-to grounding technique is the five-four-three-two-one uh, anxiety technique, where you list off a different amount of um, things around you that include different senses. It's really helped me a lot throughout the years. Um, hi, everyone. I am Dominic. I am from Burbank, California. And um, my go-to grounding technique would probably be, you know, centering myself with some good music, um, especially some R&B. Definitely when I'm, you know, having a not-so-great day, that always comes in and is a lifesaver. And um, we're going to start off with our first question for Dr. Robin. Um, so our first question is, what is anxiety and what are some clinical manifestations of anxiety? Well, I'm really glad that we're kind of starting there because, you know, let's let's face it. We all have anxiety and not all anxiety is bad, right? But it starts out as that kind of feeling of fear and dread and uneasiness. Like when you've got an assignment due or, or you've got something you need to do or a tough conversation you need to have with somebody or whatever it is, it might cause you to sweat, feel restless and tense and, and have a rapid heartbeat and things like that. You know, kind of that anxious feeling we all get. And again, it's perfectly normal. It's a normal reaction to stress. But anxiety becomes a problem when it becomes continuous and you can't control it and it becomes overwhelming and it shows up unexpectedly and it shows up in situations that you don't expect. And anxiety becomes really, really problematic when it begins to impact you physically and you can feel like you're having a heart attack. And it really does. I mean, it, a panic attack is a manifestation of anxiety where you feel like you've got that shortness of breath, you can't get it under control, the weight on your chest, you feel like you're having a heart attack, so you end up in the ER. And the reality is you're having an anxiety attack and not a heart attack, but it's it's really a complicated and interesting thing. And I think some of the other things that we don't realize that anxiety can do is it can really make you tired. I mean, it's exhausting to be anxious all the time. It can create a whole ton of fatigue, which also causes impaired concentration. So if you're sitting here and you're all anxious about that test and you've got a lot of anxiety going on, you're probably not going to be able to conscious, you know, concentrate on what you need to be studying at that moment because you're too busy being anxious. And then one of my personal favorites that happens with anxiety that we don't often think about is anxiety can make you really irritable and tough to be around. So at a time when, you know, you probably need support from other people, to deal with your anxiety. And don't you just love it when you're when you're in the middle of an anxiety attack and somebody looks at you and says, okay, just calm down, just, just calm down. 
I don't know. That's like that's like the the throat punch moment. That, you know, it's kind of one of those things that makes you just want to go. Ah, you don't understand. You just don't understand. So I'm really glad that we're going to talk about grounding because one of my go-to grounding when I get really really super anxious, and this happens a lot sometimes as a as a parent, um, I tend to have have anxiety often about my kids. I worry about them. And, and I'll get just like in a do loop of stuff in my head. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go into the worst case scenario ever for everything all the time. So I've built myself a mind palace. That's a beach that I can meditate myself into. It's a beautiful beach. It's got a nice cabana. It's got all the things, It's got the ocean and all the other goodness. And that's my go-to is my mind palace. So how do you guys describe anxiety? Because, you know, I I know how it manifests for me. How does it turn on for you? Um, I guess for it, like one of the main factors is like you feel this like tension in your chest, like you can't really breathe. Your mind's going at a thousand miles per hour. And I think another thing uh, most people don't talk about is like you're not aware of your surroundings. You're like almost inside of your head. You're stuck in it. You can't get out. You're not aware of what's happening around you. Like if someone's talking to you, you might not like realize uh, if they are. If you're like walking around, you might not like realize where you're going or where you're coming from. You're just stuck inside of your head. And it's it's very hard to get out of that state. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, you know, just being in that stance of sort of not knowing your surroundings and like having a lack of awareness, I think that is super common among people who are dealing with anxiety. I think I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think it's great that you brought that up. Um, and I also would describe it similarly. Like I remember the first time I had an anxiety um, attack, I thought that I was having a heart attack. Um, and, and it was really concerning because I mean, obviously it's a heart attack. I mean not and so then you're like, oh my gosh, am I having a heart attack? So then you get even more freaked out and it just makes it even worse. So it's just like nothing that was just not helping. But I would describe anxiety as sort of like the sustained like paranoia and obsession and like sort of just, you know, fear of like things that don't always necessarily make sense or logical. And it's just sort of this, you know, overwhelming, you know, kind of self-doubt and, and it's just like this kind of, you know, companion that you have that talks down to you and makes you think about the worst things possible, makes you freak out about stuff, makes you overthink things. Um, and I think that honestly, that's the best way I would describe anxiety. I definitely agree with both of you. Um, I think for me personally, anxiety is a lot of, um, sensory around trying to take everything in at once it's like everything is spinning both in my head and outside of it and I can feel every piece of clothing on me and other people are trying to help at the same time if you're like in a public setting and I think it's just extreme fear being super overwhelmed and just not knowing what's going to happen next and you're just paranoid about a lot of things around you and for future related things. You know, I'm glad you brought up be that, that issue of you can feel every piece of clothing and that extra sensate thing that happens for some people. And I know this happens for me when I'm really, really highly anxious, I have an overreactive startle response. And so people can just normally walk up to me and because I'm so in my head and so anxious, um, I don't hear them or see them. And then when I suddenly do, I just like freak out and it completely freaks people out, but it's also a completely normal, you know, 
stress response, anxiety response, because you are so hyper-focused um, on, on the sensory thing around you. And, and that's something that I think we don't talk about enough in terms of anxiety. You know, I know for me, I see anxiety as having some very positive things. Do you see anxiety and stress as having any positives? I mean, how do you use this stuff for good? Um, I think that's a great question because I think it's really important to understand that not all anxiety and stress is necessarily bad. Um, I mean, obviously, there are a lot of ways where stress and anxiety can be bad. And I mean, I think the list might be a little longer on ways it can be bad, but there are positives to stress. I mean, like stress is supposed to be, a, you know, a natural occurrence that protects you from certain threats and, and dangers and helps motivate you to do certain things. And so I think in that capacity, when it's um, it's leading to a positive result. I think that in that capacity, when it's not like sustained and it's not overwhelming and it's not like this constant feeling that you just can't get over. then I think in that respect, I think it is a positive, but obviously, you know, when it is overwhelming and it's debilitating and it's interfering with your life or your relationships, then in that way, it's, it can be negative. And so I think that this is a great question. It's an important to realize that it manifests both in good and po good and bad ways. Yeah, like Dom said, uh, stress is like from that flight or fight response your brain activates. So in some situations, that stress can be translated into like adrenaline so that you can't complete things that you just want to do, but you're afraid of doing it can help you. Like, for example, in sports, people, athletes, you'll see athletes nervous before the race all the time. Then they usually like translate that. The best athletes, they translate that into like energy and adrenaline and to win and to do better. And then like before a big speech, sometimes people are nervous, uh, obviously, but then they like try to calm themselves so that they realize that they can do better. And then just before any like big event or before big decision, people are always uh, nervous, but then sometimes they like just have to use that like to push themselves over the edge and like commit to whatever they want to do or whatever they're stressing over. Um, I think to add on kind of like a school work related note is that um, I know at least for me and for a lot of a lot of other people I have talked to stress, there's definitely that one line between having it overwhelming and it's just hurting your mind and versus it drives you to do things like you guys were saying um that's something i know for me is that uh i like to be busy and i know a lot of other people that are like that and i think the stress from being busy can either go one way or the other it can hurt you and just say no, you're not allowed to do anything because you have so many things to do, or I have so many things to do, so I need to get on it and do it. And I think that's very um, positive, negative sides of stress. Now, that's a, that's a really, really, really good point. And, I, and you know, I think that, that when we look at, at anxiety, we've got to try and figure out, as in all things, there's some benefits to a lot, you know, there's some superpowers that are involved in mental health issues and how do you take anxiety and turn it into being your superpower when you look and reflect, cause I know all, all three of you have talked uh, at different times about your own experiences with anxiety. What, how does it play out for you? What is it? What is a scenario that's played out for you and how did you cope with it? Okay. So I, I also don't like to be uh, bored. So I like to be busy and uh, do a lot of activities. So uh, I like to take difficult classes in school and like sometimes, so I took AP chemistry this year at the beginning of the year, like the first test I didn't do so hot. Uh, I did like that. 
So I was like kind of freaking out after it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fail this course. What do I, have, what do, I do after this? Like, where, where do I go from here? Like all these minds, like I'm not going to get into college. All, all that, um, what, what is it called? Disaster thinking followed. And then I just like took a deep breath. I was like, okay, just realize what you did wrong. Uh, realize what your studying techniques were like wrong and then focus on what you can do to do better and how you should study in the future so that you can do better on these different types of tests. So it's just about adapting to a new kind of situation in a new like different format of uh, nice. schoolwork. Nice. And um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, AP chemistry, I, I could imagine induces a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. I'm, I'm anxious right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you said that, it gave me a little bit of anxiety just thinking about, you know, what that class would entail. But anyways, my uh, scenario would be, um, and, the, and this is kind of specific to me, at least. I mean, I have significant, you know, self-image problems, issues, whatever you'd like to call them. And specifically when it comes to my body, um, because I am a larger set individual. And so, you know, there are some certain negative connotations behind being that sort of individual in society. Um, and so I feel like almost my brain has been trained by, you know, external forces to, you know, think negatively of itself and think negatively of its carrier being my body. And so when I think of something like that, or I'm reminded of some way, like if I see someone who's like, you know, really thin and they're pretty and they have like it seems like, at least on social media, that they have everything going for them, which obviously we know that's probably not true because we paint pictures very, you know, strategically on social media. I'll think of something like that and, you know, and I'll think and I'll try to compare myself to them and then I'll start spiraling. I'll start thinking about other things that, you know, make me feel less than or un unworthy and that sort of negative spiral of just anxious thoughts and obsession, obsession over details that no one else would notice except me sort of you know consumes me um and so just the spiral which i feel like is so um is so common among different instances of anxiety for everyone just this negative spiral of like thoughts being added and you know all of these different things you know sort of just you know culminating in this one terrible you know anxious experience would be a sort of a hallmark experience for me when it comes to anxiety um yeah, like even another one that I can think of is like if my, I used to think that if my friends weren't responding, like for a few hours that like they hated me because I was, get, I would get so paranoid about responses like that. And over time, I've learned that that's not true. And I've actually kind of untrained myself to, to not to stop thinking like that. Um, and I, and I make that point because it's so important to really untrain these negative behaviors and, and it's not going to be easy and it's going to take time, but it's still equally important to do so. I think I can take um, aspects of both of your like stories and what you've been talking about uh, into my own personal life. I know that I am an extremely competitive person. Um, and a lot of the times it can be a negative thing. I mean, it can be positive sometimes, but um, when it comes to anxiety and being so competitive, I know that I'm constantly, um, like Dominique was saying, comparing myself to other people visually. I'm comparing other people's grades to my own. And I think something that I've kind of learned to start doing was just tell myself, like, I'm not perfect. I am not the same as these other people. They have factors that uh, in their lives that I don't and the other way around is true as well. And I know um, I'm a junior 
And so I've been starting to look at uh, colleges and stuff like that. And I don't, I know I don't need to have a 4.45 to get into a good school. Like I started to do research and everything like that. And I just need to tell myself that the facts versus what's going on in my head do not always line up. And that um, sometimes that anxiety, even though it's still there and I have to learn to bring it down a little bit, it's not telling me the truth. So. You know, you all have have just laid out the typical teen angst and anxiety provoking situations, right? But there's one area that I think got a little bit, uh, and I think this might be some of the pandemic involvement, because I can think about talking with folks, you know, two years ago, pre-COVID, people had a lot of anxiety about social situations, anxiety related to things like the prom and homecoming and and dating and some of those other types of things like that. And I think two years later, because so many things have changed, has has the pandemic impacted anxiety, especially in relationship to social events and social situations? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or what do you think? I mean, I think currently, like for people who don't, uh, who are like more introverted and don't prefer to like interact, it's a good thing. But for like everyone else, when we have to go back to that situation, it's going to be like, I think it might be worse anxiety for everyone overall when we return to that because like we're unfamiliar, like we're not accustomed to it as we were two years ago. We like forget how to do it. We might forget how to interact in these situations, how to act normally as people like pressure us to or uh, whatever. And then it, it would just be like, we'll get scared. We'll panic. Um, we'll be like, oh, should I, should, should I have said that? Do I say this? What do I say later? All this stuff. Um, what do I say to this person? What do I not say to this person? All of these things come back together. And they create this wonderful um, situation for us. Anybody else worry about like that social anxiety piece of it? I know I do. Social anxiety is real. Uh, and, and when I think about, you know, it, it's been very interesting to do these like podcasts and things like that in the way that we do them now. Um, it's, it's not the same as when we used to do it in person live with a, with a mic. Um, you know, it, it, it's changed a whole lot. But I think one of the things that's also changed for me is like presenting at conferences. That can be really, really intimidating when you're walking out on stage to hundreds of people and you're presenting at a conference, even even especially, well, not even, especially when I used to go to, you know, student conferences and there'll be, you know, a thousand, a thousand high school students. That is anxiety provoking. But it's a really different type of thing when you're looking at the anxiety of, now the conferences are virtual. And so the feeling is different. And I find that my anxiety level is actually really different than it was. I can tell you, though, that the next time that I step out in front of a thousand high school students, I'm probably going to lose it. I don't know. <laughs> what do other people think about social anxiety? Um, I mean, personally, like I get anxious when I see four high school students in public. So I don't know how you handle a thousand. That is like a, a whole level of you know, mastery, I will quite never understand. But I mean, I think that for me, and I think that, you know, we resonate, we've talked about this, we, you know, we all resonate with this a little bit, is that returning to what we've been so accustomed to for like years is really weird. Like I forgot totally how much energy it takes <laughs> to keep up a conversation or to smile at people when you walk by them. That's so tiring. I had no idea that moving my face 
like four or five times a day at random people is so exhausting, but it is the most exhausting thing ever. And, and I think that this is something that we're all sort of, you know, feeling it's like, we're coming, you know, out of our caves <laughs> and back into reality and we're back in social situations. And it almost feels like we're just being thrown back into everything that it used to have. Um, and, and it's just like, it, it feels weird. And it's definitely like a, a whole different experience. And I think that during the pandemic as well, I mean, you know, the constant fear of, you know, getting this illness or losing friends and, you know, sort of how this manifests as like distancing from other people and, you know, being irritable as we talked about. I think that that's had significant negative impacts on people all across the world who are dealing with these situations for the first time um, without a playbook about how to do it. So I think that, yeah, I think that there are significant negative impacts, but I also do think that there are some positives, you know, in this big mess of, you know, just negative entanglement. Um, and I think one of them is, you know, people are being more safe when it comes to their health and, you know, the risk of spreading disease. And, and I know that it's not great that they have to do that because there's a serious illness going around, but I think that, you know, it's important to look at the positives, no matter how minimal they are in such a negative situation. And so I think that that's one. And I think that, you know, we are all sort of having, putting a little bit more of emphasis on mental health after going through a year and a half of just constant bombardment with negative news and media and a disease and all of this other awful things. And so I think that there are positives, even if they are few. And, and I hope that we as a society can, you know, monopolize off of those positives in the face of so much negative. Well, I think COVID definitely has played a role in changing uh, and introducing some new things to be anxious about. I know uh, I worry I, I had gone actually to a wedding and it was very strange to go to a wedding and be around a whole lot of people because that creates a whole nother level of anxiety. And fortunately it was an outdoor wedding. It was a really safe environment and all the, and all the good things, but it did bring home for me that not everybody sees this disease the same way I do. And being in healthcare, you know, I see things super differently and my anxiety level and my tolerance level uh, is probably very different than most people's. So, you all have dealt with anxiety. What are your go-to resources? You know, when you think about where you're going to go to get information about anxiety, who do you talk to? Where do you go? I think counselors in your schools are great. Um, I didn't realize how much resources our school had, partly because they didn't advertise it. So check with your schools. They probably have more advertisers than you realize than you think they do. They have a prop counselors, uh, websites, hotlines, anything at all you want to use. Um, also, breathing videos, meditation videos on YouTube are very, very wonderful uh, assets to use. They take five minutes. They're right on YouTube. It'll take five seconds to find. And you don't even have to, if you don't feel comfortable asking for others for help, you can just do that by yourself. And then focusing on your breath really um, allows you to lower your heartbeat, clear your mind, and then just move on with the rest of your day and try to clear, clear your mind for um, more productive activities. Also, sorry, real quick. Exercise is also a, a really good aspect. I'm a, personally a swimmer, so I love being in the water um, all the time. It helps me like, clear my mind. I can also, like when I'm angry or whatever, I can take it out during a practice. 
um, any uh, exercise works, um, especially if you're outside being in the nature, smelling that fresh air. Uh, that's great too. And then just like with exercise, you can do it with others too. And that like helps boost a social interaction and helps raise your social health too. Um, I think that looking into clubs or just groups of friends that can help you, uh, just manage your thoughts, I think a little better, uh, is very helpful. A journal, keeping your thoughts down in a journal or maybe a note app, um, as for like grounding and those kind of resources, I have a specific like Spotify playlist that I like to play with kind of um, some of my favorite songs, ones that are kind of a softer beat, just uh, ones that I can really focus on uh, that prominent beat in the song and kind of either just have something to focus on or if I want to try and match my breathing to it if it's like a slower song, just try and uh, use those listening cues to ground yourself. Use the visual cues around you if you can. I know not for everyone, you can't really um, take a hold of your surroundings as well. Um, but just try and ground yourself through uh, one of those methods. Yeah, I these are all great resources. Um, <clears throat> and I, I mean, I have to obviously advertise Teen Line um, as I am a volunteer there. So I, I would feel like I would be doing a disservice if I didn't. Um, Teen Line is a wonderful resource for people with anxiety. They have a hotline, they have a text line. They also have, you can email them and they also have message boards on their website where you can go through previous conversations and see some information about, you know, anxiety that you might not have known beforehand. And being with Teen Line, I am sort of obligated to know about resources. So I have a few. Um, definitely, I would look for um, au.reachout.com um, or it's a .org. I think it's one of the two. You'll, you'll find it. It's definitely a wonderful resource. And if you look up anxiety specifically, they have articles, they have conversations, they have advice, they have personal stories, they have information, and they have further resources. And so I would highly suggest that you use that website for all sorts of things like depression, anxiety, bullying, anything that you can think of um, that you need help with, we'll probably have that on that website. There's also Youthline, which is the Oregon version of Teenline. Um, there are, oh, Mental Health America has a list of warm lines that you can use that are location specific. There are so many resources online available. And again, I also want to emphasize something that I use that you guys have mentioned, which is music. Music is so, so good when it comes to managing anxiety. Recently, I've been using 30 by Adele to help me, you know, manage my anxiety. I love that album. Um, I also will listen to Lauren Hill because uh, I love her vibe and she, you know, calms me down. And so I, you know, just using the things around you, including your friends too, you know, leaning on your friends when you're feeling anxious and sort of talking to your friends, especially the friends who have similar struggles with you who can resonate with you. I think that that would be a, a wonderful way to sort of, you know, manage your anxiety and, and cope with it and not have to suffer in silence. I love that. Hey, B, I'm going to put you on the spot because you mentioned your grounding technique at the five, four, three, two, one. And my hunch is not everybody's familiar with that. And I'm thinking, you know, as we talk about our favorite grounding techniques here for a minute, would you just kind of walk through what that is? 
Yeah. Uh, so the five, four, three, two, one grounding technique is um, when you use five things that you see around you and you point them out and you kind of just um, make sure that you can kind of focus on them. Uh, four things you can touch that are near you, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. So it really plays into your sensory uh grounding and looking around, feeling things, trying to get different senses just um, ingrained in your mind so you can kind of bring yourself back to I'm here, I'm in the presence, I can kind of get your mind to slow down and just focus on where you are and what you're doing. Because I know a lot of the time when anxiety is present, you kind of either jump to the past or you jump to the future and your mind's going a mile a minute. So it's a really good way to kind of use your body in a good way to get that uh, all that sensory input for um, grounding purposes. And, and what you just described in there is that ideal scenario where the biggest thing you can do is interrupt the path. And 54321 is a really great way to interrupt all the intrusive thoughts, get you grounded, get you focused, and get you thinking about something other than the intrusive thoughts that are causing the anxiety. Along with that, I know one of the things we talk about a lot, and, and I know, Dominic, you're very familiar with four-square breathing. Do you want to describe four-square breathing? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. Um, so, you know, basically, and, and for me, at least, uh, when I use this technique, I look for a video. Um, but basically, you know, obviously, a square has four sides. Um, I hope you all know that. Um, so if you can visualize a square having four sides, each side of that square has a specific, you know, a specific, a specific instruction that you follow. So let's say, you know, you're looking at the first side on the right. Um, so you go up that and then let's say you're going for four seconds. So you breathe in for four seconds. And then when you go across, you're going to hold for another four seconds. And then as you go down again on the left side, you're going to let go, you're going <laughs> to exhale for four seconds. And then you go across again and you hold for four seconds and you sort of repeat that cycle as much as you need it. It's kind of hard to visualize uh, without, you know, an actual like visual aid. So I would highly suggest using a YouTube video. They have a bunch of them. Um, would they, you know, they actually show you a square and then they trace it or they'll do a circle and then you just watch it, you know, inflate and deflate. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the method and, and I find it really helpful. Well, part of the reason that that works is that breath is an automatic response, right? When we're breathing, we're not thinking about it. When you're focusing on your breathing though, it's almost impossible to think about anything else. And that's part of why breathing techniques work so well, because again, it's an interruption in the cycle. Mohammed, take us out. You got a go-to breathing technique you want to share? Um, I just follow some like meditation techniques on YouTube. There's also one where it's like you breathe in for three seconds, hold it for five seconds, and then release or exhale for eight seconds. This is supposed to like you're supposed to do this one before you sleep. Like especially if you're restless at night, you're nervous for uh, something upcoming in the week or in the day um it's just to help you keep uh help you keep calm and um be able to fall asleep yeah that one is really really beautiful because it, it again you're interrupting the routine of breathing and when you're not normally we don't even think about the fact that we breathe in and out pretty much at the same pace but when you do what muhammad's describing where you're breathing in for a shorter period of time 
and breathing out for a longer period of time, you're having to do something consciously and concentrate on that. And you're interrupting the path of your anxiety. You all are amazing and awesome. Thank you for sharing your wisdom today. I really have enjoyed having you here as we talk about uh, anxiety and grounding techniques. And I hope our listeners have gotten some good techniques that they can use too. I want to thank everybody for listening today, joining us on Talk To Be Well, and for hopefully learning a little bit about anxiety and how you can cope with that and make it a superpower. If you're looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please visit us at providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, check out worktobewell.org where we've got curriculum specifically related to anxiety and how you can create your own self-care kit and a whole bunch of other ways that you can learn how to ground yourself and how to cope. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. This is Talk To Be Well. We'll see you next time.